His name was Muhammad. And he folded the nets alongside his brothers, Amran and Fadi. You see, they were waiting for their cousin to show up for the morning's fishing route. The routes start early and end late these days in order to sometimes make ends meet. Muhammad's father, who also was called Muhammad, has been fishing for more than 50 years, and he followed the path of his father, who followed the path of his father, who followed his father. So there's at least four generations of fishermen in this family. It's a way of life. And yeah, it helps put food on the table and money in the jar, less and less these days, unfortunately, but it's, it's even more than that. It's the water, being out on the water. That's where life is. On the boat, amidst the nets, this is where Muhammad has grown up. It's the landscape of his childhood, and now it's the sustenance for his children. So on this day, after his cousin had arrived and the nets had been set and they had fueled the motor and they made their way out to the Mediterranean Sea, no one on the boat with Muhammad on this day would be surprised when he laid his body across the outborne motor as the Israeli Navy showered down rubber-coated metal bullets. You see, the family depended on this boat, and they couldn't afford to replace the motor. And all the fishermen and all the family on this boat had no savings left, and even before the current crisis, getting fiberglass and fuel and polyresin and paint and oil and all those things required to maintain a boat were nearly impossible to get your hands on. So Muhammad laid his body across the outborn motor and would stay there until he died later from bullet wounds in the chest. As our modern lesson showed us this morning, fishing the area for the Palestinian fishermen has been reduced to one or three nautical miles. And in the current crisis, we know that it's been reduced even less than that, if at all. Thousands of Palestinian fishermen who are supporting the livelihood and food access for thousands of families, at their best day are allowed to fish and overfish one to three miles. And to deviate from this boundary, or to appear to, a de to deviate from this boundary, is to risk injury and imprisonment and death. In our scripture today, Jesus is walking along the sea. And as he passes along the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea for their fishers. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. And immediately, immediately they leave their, net, their nets and they follow him. And Jesus goes a little farther and he sees James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called to them and immediately they left their father in the boat and they hired men and they followed him immediately. Immediately. Let me tell you, when I was wrestling with this text this week, the first thing I wanted to do was call bullshit on how much immediately is happening. I mean, it's just not that hard to call it on this text. It's a Mark text, and one thing we know about Mark, the Gospel of Mark scriptures, is that Mark is running, running to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mark text are fast-paced text. Immediately this and urgently that. Jesus passed along the sea and they dropped their nets and they followed him and it immediately happened. And guess what? Then Jesus goes on and does something else immediately. 
Mark is running in his text until we get to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then at death and resurrection, the arc of this gospel, the arc of the gospel of Mark slows down and begins to finally take its time. You see, Mark is written for a people who desperately need a savior. A people oppressed, people suffering under an empire that has not only taken away the rights of their humanity, but is also attacking their religion. So because we know that, because we know that Mark is just running, 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 running until we get to the Savior, what I really wanted to do was just call BS on the reality of all this immediate language. It's just Mark's author trying to get us somewhere really quickly. Imagine, just imagine, someone comes to my office and they're like, Candace, I don't have any nets. They're like, drop your computer and your Bible. Come now. Don't worry about the email. Don't, Nora doesn't need to know. She'll be fine. She'll figure it out. She's, <laughs> she's a strong woman. Let's go. Immediately. So, I wanted to call BS because that's unrealistic. This text is unrealistic. And then on Monday, which is Martin Luther King Day, I listened to the Reverend Dr. Mitri Raheb. And I listened to him speak about the atrocities that are happening in the open-air prison of Gaza. And I listened to him speak about how more than 250 Palestinians a day are dying, and how the death tolls and injuries are worse than any other 21st century crisis. I wanted to call BS around the immediacy of Simon and Andrew and James and John and these Palestinian fishermen dropping their nets and immediately following someone who might potentially offer a chance to live, if not for them, for their children. I wanted to call BS because no one does that. Are you with me? No one does that. And here's where it got me. No one living in privilege does that. That's the BS that I had to call on myself. That I live in such a place of privilege that I can't really get it. That I wanted to go into the text and be like, Mark, come on. Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee not long after his friend had been arrested and imprisoned for calling for the end of oppression calling for a ceasefire, claiming a new type of kingdom, a new state was needed, one where John and Jesus' friends and people weren't oppressed and mar marginalized and targeted for violence. Not long after John was imprisoned for this very thing, Jesus comes along and he asks Simon and Andrew and John and James to follow him to help make some change. And immediately they drop their nets and they leave the boat. Fishing in the time of Jesus was very similar to Palestinian fishers today off the coast of Gaza. Fishing in the time of Jesus was a profession of poverty. They were sustenance farmers. They worked to make a living off of what they caught, hopefully. And they did this under heavy Roman control. It wasn't a free market. These aren't freelancers or self-employed businessmen because the licensing to fish and to boat and the taxations on tolls and catches and the levies on materials for boats and nets, all of it was controlled and maintained 
for the benefit of the empire. Times don't always feel like they've changed a lot. The story of Muhammad, which draws on a true story, suggests that clinging to our boats isn't actually an option for everyone. It's not always survivable to stay in the boat. Where I landed this week is it's a position of privilege to get to stay in the boat with assumed safety. To know that life will go on and tomorrow's another day and I'll figure it out then. I really want to stay in the boat. I'm not sure if I've made that clear. I really want to stay in the boat right now. I want to stay in the boat on discussions of Israel and Palestine. Because to speak is too often to offend, to stir something up, to be misunderstood. I really want to stay in the boat. Someone's not going to like the message of fishers in Palestine. Someone's going to think a message of fishermen leaves out voices of other people and other groups whose experience isn't in the narrative. Somebody might not like that. So I wanted to stay in the boat. The scripture only talks about the experience of the fishermen. Our biblical authors thought that was important. So I followed their lead today. And we're going to talk about, and we've been talking about, the experience of the fishermen. Sometimes I really want to stay in the boat, keep the waters calm. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like it's just a little bit too risky to get out of the boat? The text suggests that if we look through the eyes of another, if we look through the eyes of another, it might be too risky for all of us to stay in our boats. I want to stay in the boat, but I was bothered by Dr. Reverend Mitri. Thanks a lot, Bonnie. Like, thanks a lot, Bonnie. I was bothered. God bothered me. And so now I'm bothering you, because that's the way it works. We just trickle it down to the next and to the next and to the next. In our text today, Jesus calls the fishers, and immediately they leave their boats and their lives and their families and their very identity and existence, and it must have been dire for that to be the response, right? The oppression and persecution must have been such that to stay in the boat was peril. We know, we know that there is no easy way for any of us to leave our boats. I'm a testament to that today. I'm probably not doing this very well. I'm not going to get it all right. I'm not going to say all the right things. I'm not going to lift the pain of the Palestinians and acknowledge the centuries of pain of the Jewish people and the reality that siblings on all sides of this conflict feel powerless. I'm just not going to do it right. But in this new political year, I don't feel like we have anything to do but to try. Getting out of our boats is risky, and unfortunately, it's going to be really unpopular. But as humanity continues to commit atrocities towards each other, often in the name of God, we can't stay in our boats. There is a real urgency to get out of the boat and to start trying. And here's what I believe. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to care and be curious and be willing to dialogue and willing to have empathy and be willing to try. Maybe willing to fail. 
There's an urgency to get out of our boats and to have grace with each other as we take our steps into the waters of discussion and action this year. As we each try to stand up for humanity and call out what we see as wrong and stand up for where we see pain and witness to the experiences that we can resonate with, we can do that. Getting out of our boats is risky, yes. And I can't imagine it was any less so for John and Andrew and Simon and James. VHC, we are fishers of people. We have been called to cast our nets wide, to catch all opinions and beliefs and experiences, and to lift them all and to validate them all. We have been called to hold space for the experiences of people and then to act. Today, we're holding space for the experience of the fishers. It doesn't mean that other people and other experiences aren't happening. It doesn't lessen the experience of pain of others when we lift the pain of one. We have to remember that empathy and understanding aren't pie. It's not like we have a certain amount that we have to divvy out and then when it's gone, it's gone. It's not pie. We've got enough to cover it all. Right? So today we held space for the story of the fishermen. Thank you for doing that with me. And by their stories, <clears throat> may we be encouraged to get out of our boats. We can do it together. Amen? Amen. Amen.